Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Not on board. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, the 104.3 The Fan. Let's get right back to the phones. And joining us, one of our favorite contributors, just back from what looks to me from the pictures to been an awesome trip, Nate Zelensky. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. How are you? I'm doing great. And, you know, I, I really want to talk about your trip before we get into some of the local bites. Because, you know, with, with COVID, a lot of people quit traveling, quit going on vacations. A lot of outfitters and a lot of guides have suffered on destination fishing. Uh, where people maybe went locals went, but the other people didn't travel. And there's a lot to be learned when you go on one of these trips. And there's so many fantastic experiences. Now, you just experienced one of my favorite trips. You were tarpon and jack and permit fishing down in Florida. What part of Florida were you in exactly? You know, we uh, we were in Hollywood uh, Hollywood Beach, so kind of right between like Fort Lauderdale and Miami, Terry. And it, it was unbelievable. You know, I mean, the, the ocean was extremely warm. The fishing's unbelievable. And honestly, uh, you know, I, I've hooked in some tarpon from time to time. Uh, you know, honestly, just walk wade fishing by myself. I've never really done a, a serious tarpon trip. It was kind of one of those bucket list fish for me. You know, as a guide, we achieve so many of those bucket lists for our, our guests that come with us. Uh, it was one of the first times I really kind of started out and, uh, yeah, targeted for myself. And it was unbelievable. And we, we kind of picked that area because it's one of the few places, at least in the U.S., that literally has year-round tarpon. Um, you know, so many areas for tarpon are migration fish. And where we're at, they get migrations, but they have resident fish, you know, 365 days a year. Um, so we went down there, kind of high expectations, and, and it could not have, have I mean, it, it was unbelievable. You know, it, it met every one of our kind of goals and hopes and dreams of the trip. So uh, very, very great trip for sure. You know, you were very close. Were you actually in Biscayne Bay or just north of it then? We were right there in Biscayne, yep. Yeah, and I fished Biscayne Bay, and I fished. You had one night shot that I, I used to go down and fish the bridges for tarpon at night. I don't know if that was down by the bridges or you just were out in Biscayne Bay yet for that night shot. Yeah, we were on the flats, you know, so our goal was to start at the flats. We started fishing about 4.30 in the afternoon. We are going to fish about till 9 p.m., and our goal was to, to fish the flats. Um, you know, live bait, and then we're going to move into the bridges, um, you know, with shrimp and, and kind of crabs, but we never even got that far. We we started off in the flats and kind of a, like a 14-foot flat with these little dips, you know, dropping down 8, 10 foot, um, and the tarpon were stacked there. The first little dip we hit, we hooked triples. Then we turned around and hooked triples again, and then all of a sudden you'd, you'd get kind of uh, some bycatch and we'd get some barracuda and some jacks move in, and then the tarpon would come back. And I think at the end of the day, we had five or six jacks hooked, uh, four or five barracuda. And then I think we had a little over 20 tarpon hooked. Um, so it was literally nonstop for, you know, four or five hours. And uh, we never had to move. We never had to change game plans. It was just uh, just game on for sure. And at that area is one of my favorite. I filmed a television show right there where we caught tarpon in the morning and we caught a 30-pound permit at the last end of the show. And it's just an incredible fishery. And you're right off a populated area, you wouldn't think, but the guides that know it and understand it. And you mentioned the jacks. 
I love fishing for jacks. So many poo-poo them, just like they do carp here in Colorado. Yeah. I don't think there's anything that fights harder than a big jack. I, I agree, Terry. And you know me. We don't, you know, we, we have no correlation with a, a trash fish or that. You know, we love common carp as the ultimate sport fish. And, you know, we do catfish. And we target everything and appreciate it all. And I agree. Those jacks absolutely fight. And it was, it was a catch-22 because... You know, had I done more tarpon fishing, I probably would have targeted and or enjoyed the jacks even more because they were going. Uh, but the goal was these tarpon, and the jacks fight so hard. You know, they take 30 minutes to get in, and we were getting doubles um, almost nonstop on the jacks. So you couldn't chase them down in the boat to speed up the fighting process. You know, Mandy's fish was, was going south, and my fish were going north. Um, so it was hard because it was, uh, you know, do you sit here and enjoy these unbelievably large jacks or – do you rush them in or, you know, do you fight them off um, to get back to the tarpon fishing? So a lot of, a uh, lot of challenges and kind of, you know, what, what are your goals in that situation? But yeah, it, it couldn't have been better. Now I'm going to um, kind of, I want to ask you a few questions. You and I, because we're so involved in the fishing industry and we have been for many years, me a couple more than you, but, <laughs> but so we have contacts we can kind of leverage both through sponsors and contacts we make throughout the industry when we're setting up a trip. So maybe picking where to go and who to go with gets a little easier for us, but give me some pointers. If I've been listening to this now and I'm saying, gosh, I want to go down and do that trip or I want to do a trip to Alaska. What are some of the tips you would give to somebody who's maybe doesn't have the contacts we do that are planning a trip? You know, I mean, I'd say the biggest thing to do is, is look at your goals. You know what I mean? So our goals for this, we came off of probably the busiest ice fishing season we've ever had in history. Um, and then moved, you know, from ice straight to open water. There's no breaks. And, you know, people ask that all the time. They're like, man, when's your slow season? And, you know, we go from ice to open water. I go into hunting and then I go right back into ice. So we are living a madhouse schedule. So our goal was split. We wanted unbelievable fishing and we also kind of wanted a vacation. Manny and I went down there without the kids five days just to relax. So we were looking for, you know, good food, laid back kind of atmosphere, great beach and great fishing. So that's kind of, we list down our goals on a piece of paper and you say, Hey, you know, we, what can we do that fits all these? So you kind of categorize that and then you start looking into it. And as far as guides, um, nowadays the social media thing is so powerful. You really get a feel for what's happening. So find four or five, six guys, even if you start on Google and, and find a bunch of outfitters and then follow them on Instagram, Facebook, you know, these guys are posting daily and you can literally read your guide right there. You can say, Hey, you know, those are the fish I'm trying to catch. That's the boat that I want to be on. Hey, that water looks calm, not rough. You can literally get a good idea for who these people are just on their social media side. And you can almost build that relationship when you get on water with them. You're like, oh, hey, yeah, I've been watching what you've been doing. I've been seeing this or that. Uh, and it really helps you make those decisions of kind of what you're looking for. And then, I mean, if nothing else, you can always, you know, call for references. Call a a local retailer in the area, call a local bait shop. You know, those are the people that know these guys in and out. You know, they're not going to refer a bad one. So call a local bait shop and say, Hey, I'm coming in town. You know, I really want a tarpon or I really want a, you know, X, Y, Z. Who should I go with? 
Um, and those are the type of recommendations that I think really prove strong um, because advertising can't outweigh them. You know, you can't out advertise uh, a strong reference from somebody else. So, so I think those are all the tips that I would do uh, when planning a trip for sure. Well, and another thing I'm going to tell people, you said something about set your goals and set your fishing goal too, because like, you were down there at, this is prime tarpon season down there. You know, you can go down there and try to catch tarpon in August, but it's not going to be as easy. Not that you can't, but it's not going to be as easy. So set exactly. an expectation that maybe I'm, you know, hopefully I can hook one up. Same thing with like going to Alaska. Alaska is really seasonal as far as what's running and all that. If you're going to target Kings, know that you're going to have to be there in June, July. If you're going to target Silvers, you got to be there in August. If you're going to target walleyes on the Columbia River, know what they migrate where they spawn do a little research on the area and the type of fish you want to catch because those expectations in the beginning will really make a difference all right let's change gears real quick while we still have a couple minutes left what are you seeing uh, as far as fishing locally I'll tell you, Terry, everything is in full swing. And, you know, uh, the great thing about kind of our lifestyle is we do a ton of conventional tackle and we do a lot of fly fishing, but everything is on the reservoirs. And all the reservoirs that I personally fish and Tightline Outdoors fish, uh, we don't get that much impact from the runoff. I keep hearing of, you know, all our friends in the business that their rivers are starting to show signs of color and getting blown out. You know, reservoirs are dirty and things like that. Uh, everything that we're doing, is is fantastic. Our water temperatures are warming in the front range, so our walleyes are slowly coming out of their, you know, basically springtime post-bong patterns. We're starting to see them showing up on structure, so the summer bite is just starting for walleye, so that's exciting to see. Um, and our mountain fisheries are open. Spinning Mountain open today. Um, you know, all the fisheries, 11 miles open, so all the mountain fisheries are opening. Um, we still have a handful to go. You know, Grammy's not open, uh, and a handful of those other ones, but the, the reservoirs are opening and fishing is good so the general concepts right now as far as like the hot bites that i would say kind of around the state um you're looking for your walleyes transitioning the biggest thing with the walleyes trust your electronics this is one of those things that you know you might have one hot sunny day and they'll show up on structure then you get a cold day and they move off that structure so don't waste time uh, if the fish are not there. So on the walleye side, trust your electronics. We are carrying everything in our boats. Um, you know, you're ready for the fish in the deeper water in that post-spawn bite. And on that hot, sunny day, it might be live bait and jigs. So we're bringing all the gear with us, finding the fish in our electronics first, um, and then catching them. So that's kind of the walleye front. Um, the trout up in the high country. So your spinning mountains, your enteros, your 11 miles, those fish uh, are kind of split. We still have a ton of fish in spawn mode up on the shores, up in the boat dock bays, up in the inlets. And then we have a ton of fish in that post-spawn bite um, that are slightly out in that deeper water, recovering, feeding on bug life, feeding on, you know, scuds and larvas. Uh, you know, you got a big chronomage hatch starting. So our fish there are very split. Um, same thing. Have a goal in mind. So if you're going up to, to the, some of the trout fisheries in the high country, you are thinking to yourself, hey, Am I targeting spawning fish way up shallow? Am I looking for the inlet? You know, am I using bright colored, you know, jigs from fly fishing? It's eggs and worms. But you're targeting literally four foot or less in the shallow presentation, or you're moving out deeper um, looking for those post-spawn fish. And those fish are very separated. So you are very shallow or not, I won't say very deep, but you're that 12, 14 foot on the deeper side. Um, so have your goals in mind of where you're going to look for those fish. Um, most of our pike right now, I would say in almost all the fisheries, 
we are probably 70% done with spawn, uh, maybe 80% done with spawn. So a handful of fish are still spawning. Majority of the rest are out of spawn and in that post-spawn state, Terry. And, you know, now is not the time where you're going to catch the, the fattest pike out there. Um, they're very roughed up. They're bleeding. They're scarred up. So they're not the prettiest or the fattest, but I'll tell you, if you're looking for some long, good pike action, post-spawn time is the time. These fish are absolutely starving. They're grumpy, and they're feeding. So this is a very forgiving time as a pike angler. A lot of pike anglers assume they're shallow. They're not. These pike are in you know, 12 to 20 feet of water suspended below the surface. But I tell you, there's not a better time of the year uh, to catch a lot of big pike because, again, they're very vulnerable right now. So that's probably one of the other hot bites that we're doing. What do you throw at those suspended pike? What kind of presentations? You want the most boring presentation you can possibly fish. We're running long stick baits, um, you know, so original floating rapalas, uh, you know, big bomber long A's, uh, any of your, even your saltwater stuff, red fins. You're looking for a seven to nine inch stick bait with minimal movement. I mean, literally, we're slow trolling, slow casting. Um, it is about boring. If you run the bait in front of you in the water, if it looks good, it's probably not the bait for the pike right now. Uh, right now, as they're just coming out of that spawn, energy levels are low. They want a sitting duck for a target of a presentation. So very minimal movement, slow presentation, bulked up size. That's going to be your tricks. Now, as the water warms and as their nutrition gains, they gain energy, then we can start fishing the swim baits and we can start fishing more action on that presentation. But for the next week or so, it's all about minimal action, minimal movement. Just put it in front of their face and they're going to take the bait. All right. Last question. If you had to go one place, let's say Tuesday, Wednesday, after the crowds settle down, the lake settle down a little bit, but it's going to be great weather, one place to fish, where would you go? I tell you, I would watch the weather, but Spinning Mountain Reservoir, it's just near and dear to my heart. The, the average trout is so big. Those fish are, you know, 22 to 25 inches in length. It's got giant pike. Um, the next seven-day forecast looks extremely windy up there, so use a lot of caution. But if I had one place, uh, the crowds are going to settle by tomorrow night, uh, and spinning would probably be my, my main focus this week. All right. And if people want more information or book a trip, how do they find you? Absolutely. Go to our Facebook page, Tightline Outdoors. Go to our website, Tightline Outdoors. Uh, Google us. Just search Tightline Outdoors. Get our numbers, our emails. Get a hold of us. We would love to get you on the water, teach you about the current bites, and get you on a lot of fish. Yeah, we're excited about it. So hook us up soon, and we'll get you booked. All right, my friend. We will talk to you again soon. Thank you, sir. You bet. Nate Zielinski. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, the folks from Jack's are going to join us, and we're going to talk about uh, maybe the Pooter area, that river, a little fishing there. Is it blowing out? Do we still have access? And maybe a few of the lakes around that area and maybe even some of the North Park stuff. And uh, and then we're going to talk about getting you outfitted. What's the situation for gear? Is gear available this year? Last year was an issue. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Uh, we're brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. And I tell you what, if you haven't been in a Jack's store and you're an outdoor enthusiast, you just need to do yourself a favor and stop by. And speaking of Jack's, let's go to the phone. And joining us from the fishing department at the Jack's here in Fort Collins is Dave Gross. Good morning, Dave. Hi, Terry. How are you? 
I'm doing great. I got a couple things I want to talk to you about. First of all, you know, the weather changing, we're getting warmer. I know you fished the Poudre River quite a bit, and I got a couple things. First of all, we know the Poudre was, had some floods and some washout from the fire residue up there, and it, it had some mud that came through, and it's been affected. And I want to find out if you've been fishing the Poudre and if there's certain sections that have been fishing better than others, and then are we starting to see runoff, and is that going to change here quickly? So runoff hasn't really started too heavy yet. Water has come up. Uh, through town is running pretty low because they're diverting the water off to the reservoirs. Um, as far as the flood goes, uh, the section below the hatchery where Black Hollow Creek comes in, uh, that was hit very hard all the way down from Black Hollow down through Mountain Home. That river, section of the river, pretty much got wiped out. Um, but there's still fish fishing to be done above the hatchery in the catch and release water and really below Mishawaka um, down to Picnic Rock. There's still fish to be caught. Um, I have been doing more lake fishing, trying just to give the river a break myself, but there's still fish to be be caught. Um and, you know, the Poudre is kind of a freestone river, so the runoff day, that's why they raft on it. Would you expect with this warm weather that the water is going to get pretty off-color and high here real quick? Yeah, before we know it, it's going to start running muddy, I'd say within a couple weeks, if not earlier. So and a great alternative, you mentioned you love to finish, and you both fly fish and conventional fish. You do a lot of different types of fishing. And you said you like been fishing the lakes a little more, which are great alternatives for both fly and conventional. What are some of the lake waters you've either been fishing or you've heard about? Well, North Park, uh, Delaney Beach, and Lake John just fully opened the beginning of this week, and fishing is doing very good up there. Leech patterns, um, coronamids, usually a red size 12 or 14 coronamid snow cone, we call them, um, doing very well. And then your leeches, your crawdads, or any kind of streamer, usually a darker olive or black right now are fishing very well up there. And then around here, just all the ponds have been doing pretty good. The smallmouth fishing has been good, and the largemouth are starting to get a little more aggressive finally. You know, you talked about the ponds around here. I went out actually yesterday checking a bunch of ponds because there's a bunch of them around the Fort Collins area that when my grandkids come up, I like to take them uh, panfish fish fishing in those ponds. And there's a time of the year, and it's a little later this year than normal, where those panfish are moving in as the pond warms up but they get, a lot of them get pretty choked with weeds. And I went to a couple of them yesterday, and the weed growth was still down, so I was able to make presentations pretty easily, but the panfish were really getting active. And, you know, that's something you can do with a conventional rod or a fly rod, right? Yes, yep, It's uh, especially with the kids, a little bobber, a little jig, or a little piece of worm or a mealworm. And then as long as you've got room to use a fly rod, Bluegill and green sunfish are a lot of fun on a fly rod. Oh, and, and a lot of times people can learn so much more. Like you said, if you don't have trees where you can make a cast, 
a lot of times you're not dealing, well, you're not dealing with current. So you get a, a better feel of handling your line and making casts and even roll casts. It can be a great, and you can have a lot of fun catching those fish and they'll hit a lot of the same bugs trout will. They will. Yep. You don't need to buy a whole new box of flies to go catch bluegill. Now, speaking of that, um, I know you have a great selection of flies at Jack's. How is overall, let's start with flies and fly gear, and then we'll get into conventional. I mean, over the last couple of years, things have been difficult to find. How are you doing? Start with your selection of flies. Are you in pretty good shape? Yeah, fly selection is very good this year. And overall, um, selection of all the gear is a lot better. Still some product uh, is struggling. Float tubes, pontoon boats. Um, still hard to get. What about fly rods? Uh, you know, if the, a lot of the, you carry a lot of those, I think they're Reddington beginner kits, which I think are mislabeled. Uh, they don't call them a beginner kit. Maybe even I do, but that's a good fly right. rod that can be serviceable for years. Yes. Yeah. You don't need to go out and spend a thousand dollars. You can, you can get set up with a rod reel and line and a combo package for less than $300. And they're quality rods. And most beginning fly anglers, like we're talking in the ponds and stuff, they actually will cast better with those uh, those type of rods than a, a $1,000 fast stiff-action rod because that rod is hard to learn and load. These are much more forgiving, yet you can fish uh, throughout the year in many, many different situations. What about um, the conventional gear How is, as far as rods, reels, both the starter stuff, the combos, or maybe a lot of people are looking to upgrade stuff they bought. Are you in good shape on all of those? Yes, we are. Yep, we've uh, got combos anywhere from $18, $19 up to $120 for some of the nicer uh, fin weeks with uh, Fluger reel on them. Um, and then reel-wise, we've got a vast selection of reels and fast selection of rods if you want to piece something together. How about line? You know, people this time of the year, they neglect, they go out fishing. If you, especially if you have mono, you have to change it out going out. Are you guys well stocked with line, both bulk and packages? Uh, packages. We just actually just got a bunch in in the last week. Uh, bulk, we still have some empty spots on the bulk, but we're in, we're in pretty good shape. And yeah, you should, with, with mono, you really, should get new line every year if you have the time and you can do it. Uh, you guys don't charge very much to put bulk mono on. What Say I bring in a spinning rod and I want six or eight pound test. I'll put on my spinning rod. How much do you charge for that line for you guys to put it on? Trilene XL is two cents a yard. Uh, we're, we just charge for the line. We don't charge for the process of putting it on, just the cost of the line. Well, two cents a yard is nothing, and having new line and Trilene XL is, to me, it's one of the best monos out there. It's one of the that's probably the mono that I use the most. Is it one of your favorites, or do you have another yeah. one? Uh, no, Trilene XL is a, a great line. All right, my friend, we are running out of time. Are you at the store today? I am. Yes. So, so if people want to stop by or at the Jackson Fort Collins, they can they can uh, pry a little more information out of you, right? Yeah, please come by. All right. Thanks, Dave. All right. Thank you, Terry. That's Dave Gross from Jack's Outdoor Gear. Jack's has been a phenomenal partner for the show. 
and we're so glad to have them with their local presence and corporate as partners. It's really worked out well, and we really appreciate what they do for the outdoor community and the way they get involved with the outdoor community. We gave away a bunch of tackle at the ISC show. They donated 50 tackle boxes, 50 free, and these were like $15 tackle boxes. These weren't just cheapy things, so they really step up. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, Ronnie Castiglione is going to join us. We're going to talk a little bit about horse tooth and, and Boyd, but we're also going to talk about some presentation techniques right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. I'll tell you what, if Bob Seeger doesn't get you tapping your toes, I don't know who will. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go to the phones, and joining us is Ronnie Castiglione. Good morning, Ronnie. Good morning, Mr. Terry Wickstrom. How are you doing this morning, bud? You know, I'm looking out the window at the sun, and no W-I-N-D to amount to anything yet. I know. I'm Quiet, Terry. Quiet. It's been the theme all, all two hours is don't say that word. But <laughs> things are going to be changing. Um I want to talk to you about a couple lakes in our area, and then I want to talk about some presentations. The first one I want to talk about is horse tooth. Now, horse tooth actually, you know, we're a little behind this year in most lakes, and horse tooth tends to be deeper and colder than even some of the others. So I'm suspecting it might even be a little further behind. But what's the water level? What are the conditions? What are you seeing at horse tooth? Well, horse tooth has a lot of water in it right now, Terry. It's maybe a foot or two from a full pool. So there's a ton of water up there. The water's up around the trees still and things like that. It has been dropping a little bit each day. Um, but right now, the fishing is outstanding up at horse tooth. Um, with the water being as high as it is, you know, water temperatures around the lake will vary. So if you're out looking around on the main lake, you're going to see low 50s a lot of times if we get a cold front coming through you may even see upper 40s uh if you're looking in some of the more flat areas or back in the coves or around some of the larger rock you're going to see temperatures in those mid 50s uh especially later in the day terry so but the fishing has been really really good for the last two three weeks up there and people are having no problem catching a lot of smallmouth right now terry any particular presentations or depths, or are they kind of just really spread out? The fish are pretty spread out. We're seeing fish out on the main lake. We're seeing fish all the way back in the coves and just about everywhere in between. Uh, it's kind of one of those deals where you get out there, and if you figure out that they are on a particular style of structure or type of rock that you're seeing on the bank or maybe even the slope of the bank, uh, you, you can run that pattern pretty much all around the lake, and if you find the same kind of stuff, you'll find fish on it. But if you come the very next day, those fish could have moved off that, that area. So it's definitely the time of year where power fishing, throwing reaction-style presentations and covering water is going to be your best bet. Once you've made contact with fish and you catch more than one in a particular area, then you might want to slow down and work something a little bit more methodically and slower through that area. But for us, you know, it's been a lot of cranking. It's been a lot of throwing jerk baits. Um, it's been throwing swim baits, things like that, things we can move through the water column. And ripping tube jigs, you know, stroking a tube and bouncing it real quickly off the bottom and letting it fall has also been very effective. Uh, we haven't seen a lot of action on things like drop shots or things that move a lot slower. So it's been the power fishing that's been getting it done, Terry. 
And while you're fishing those smallmouth, there's a better population of trout and horse tooth. Are you seeing many of those trout? Absolutely, Terry. They've been putting them in for the last few years now, and we're seeing a good number of trout. The trout are spread out through the entire water column as well. Um, I caught trout deep on Ronnie darters, uh, you know, just a week or so ago. I caught them also shallow on crankbaits on the same day. I think the trout can be pretty much anywhere they want to be. Uh, we're seeing a lot of bug hatches come off, and so early and late in the day, you'll see the bug hatches coming off, and the trout will be popping all over the reservoir, coming up and eating those bugs. So the trout are an excellent opportunity, and there's good numbers of them, so it's kind of hard not to run into at least one or two. That sounds great for a lot of people, especially shore anglers. The water's still cool enough, well, and deep enough by shore in areas of horse tooth where you probably can do pretty good from shore, both on smallmouth and, and trout. I want to change gears and real quick take you over to Boyd. Now, that's going to be just the opposite as far as water level, right? Yeah, Boyd's sitting relatively low. It's it's not as low as it has gone in the past, but it's definitely not at full pool. It's probably anywhere from oh, I don't know, 10 to 12 feet from being at full pool. Um, the people who are familiar with Boyd, the water is up on the north flat, maybe running about halfway up on the north flat. But when it's at this level, that, that area is very, very shallow. So I will caution people not to just see all that water going up onto that north end and think that you can run your boat in. I can't tell you how many times, Terry, I've been sitting right there and, and fishing that transition or that break that comes off that north flat. And I've seen party boaters, or even walleye boats and things like that come running up into that north end, you know, full bore like they're going to get on up in there and get their business done, and they're dragging mud when they get about 20 yards up into that north end, and then they got to turn around and work their way back out. So use caution, but the water is low. The fishing, however, has been very, very good right now on Boyd. Uh, water temperatures are in the mid-50s, maybe warming to the upper 50s, depending on the day, especially as you get into the, some of those flatter areas, you're going to see warmer water temperatures, and we're starting to see some green aquatic vegetation growing around the lake. I can tell you that when the water's low, there's not a lot of cover that is in the water all the way around the lake, so... Spots that do have, you know, green vegetation growing in, there'll absolutely be a whole bunch of fish right in and around that stuff, Terry. So that's important to, to pay attention to. Another thing you and I have talked about when the water is low. Now, Boyd should come up. They tend to get their water later. But while it's low weeks, like Terry. this, yeah, this is, a, this is a great time to go explore and find those spots and trenches and pieces of grass lines that when it fills up that you'll and mark them and have them on your gps so that you can go fish them when the water's higher yeah 100 percent, terry where you see the grass growing in right now when the water is at this level that is the area where that will be the deep grass once the water goes up another 12 15 feet um that grass will grow in there and that'll be that outside weed line that we've talked about a lot on the show as you get into summer especially mid to late summer all the grass that grows all the way to the surface becomes very apparent and you can definitely see that stuff but it's the deeper grass on particular days that will hold a lot of fish especially walleyes at time and then the other thing is if you mark those spots now as we get late into the year on Boyd and the water starts to drop again those areas will be the areas that still have the grass when the water's dropped off the shallower grass. So knowing where the grass goes grows into that lake deep is, is 
key throughout the year, Terry. It's really saved me a lot of days out there, and sometimes it's just absolutely gangbusters, especially later in the year when the water's dropping. You know, I'm going to switch gears on you here. We only we have a few minutes left, but there's a presentation that I've known about for years, but I didn't use very much till you kind of dragged me kicking and screaming and catching a bunch of huge bass on it, and that's the chatter bait. Now, it's it's a bait that's not for every situation, but talk to us a little bit about the chatterbait and, and how it's affected your fishing. Yeah, Terry. So like a chatterbait, so people understand. A chatterbait, it's also called like a bladed jig or a vibrating jig. Chatterbait's actually a brand, and we were throwing actual chatterbaits when we were out on the lake those times, Terry. Um, it's going to look a lot like a mop-style jig or a traditional bass jig, but it's got a, uh, a blade that's connected to the front eye of it, which, which vibrates back and forth as you reel that presentation through the water, and it throws off probably more vibration than any other presentation you can throw. Uh, when you're reeling that thing in, you can absolutely see the tip of your rod bouncing up and down, and you can feel that vibration. It's an outstanding presentation for covering water. It shines in and around cover a lot of times. So in and around tree stumps, you know, lay downs. Uh, if you have aquatic vegetation growing in, it can be outstanding around the aquatic vegetation. Um, guys on the, on the, on the bass circuits, on the BASS and the MLF and things like that absolutely, you know, hammer a lot of the big fish early in the year when the water's a little colder on that vibrating jig because it throws off so much vibration and it's really erratic as you reel it back through the water column. Um, if it ticks off of things or bumps off a of grass or hits gravel, or even if you pump your rod or if you pump your reel as you're reeling it, it will dart sideways real quick and erratically. And the, the rubber skirts that are on those throw off a lot of kind of a kind of look like a, like a squid coming through the water or an octopus, that kind of a thing. Uh, you can trigger reaction strikes a lot of times, Terry, and it's an outstanding presentation. Now, the one thing I will caution people though, is it is kind of a hero or zero bait on a lot of days, Terry. And what I mean by that is this, there are days where you'll go out there and you'll throw that thing and it will be the deal. The fish will jump all over that and you'll have no problem running through a whole bunch of fish like last year when I took you out on the lake in fall, Terry. That was the case. But with that particular presentation, you can come back the next day and if something changed, be it the weather changed, the conditions are changed, maybe there's not as much wind and the lake slicked off or something along those lines, Terry, this fish will absolutely not touch that presentation. So it's one of those presentations that you got to know on any given day, they may be all about it or they may not touch it. Boy, Terry, I can tell you, like, I think it was maybe two or three Bassmaster Classics ago, I, I believe Jason Christie was leading the Bassmaster Classic coming into day three, and he had caught all his fish on that uh, chatterbait-type presentation or a vibrating jig, and he was absolutely, you know, he had built a good-sized lead over everybody, Terry. He came in three, day three and threw that thing, and he couldn't buy a bite on it, Terry. And the fish had just turned off to that presentation altogether, and he was stubborn about it. We all were watching the live coverage, and he was stubborn, and he just wouldn't put it down, and he ended up you know, guys ended up passing him and he ended up not winning that classic because he just wouldn't put down the vibrating jig. Meanwhile, other guys in the tournament were catching fish on that final day, throwing things like spinnerbaits, 
in like a swim jig type presentation rather than the chatterbait. So what I tell people and what I've showed clients over the years is like, I like to have all three tied on for any given day. If I'm going to go out and be fishing where I think those things are going to get bit and I'm going to rotate through them, Terry. And on one day they may jump all over that spinnerbait. The next day they may be all about that chatterbait or that vibrating jig. And then there's going to be that same fish in those same areas on the very next day. They won't bite the spinnerbait. They won't bite the chatterbait, but they're, they may jump all over that swim jig. That's going to have a little less vibration and be a little more subtle, Terry. So that's kind of the key with it. And that's how we've had a lot of success over the years. All right, my friend, we are out of time, but I am ready to get on the water with you. So we need to set a date and get out there and do it. Absolutely, Terry. Let's do it real quick. Maybe this next week if you're around and not in Florida or Hawaii or, you know, wherever you like to go. Yeah, you never know. I think I'm around for a week before I go to Napa. And then we also need oh, to get some gee. Yeah, I, I, Hopefully they're bottling more wine there in preparation yeah. for your visit. Well, when I get back, we need to get some oysters on the grill. Hey, I like that plan, Terry. Let's do it up. All right, my friend. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you again soon, Ronnie. All right, buddy. Have a good one. You bet. Ronnie Castiglione, just always a great resource, great angler, really, really digs into refining his presentations and understanding where he's fishing and how he's fishing and how he's approaching the different areas and what the fish are doing. He's a wealth of knowledge. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, we'll wrap up Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're just a teardrop in my eyes each night I cry myself to sleep. Just a memory of a You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. And that bumper music bringing us in is A Drop in My Eyes by Wickstrom and Dobreth, which is uh, available on all your favorite streaming sites. Uh, or just search Wickstrom and Dobreth on the web and you will bring us up. A couple quick things. Uh, there's going to be a, this weather is going to bring on a great bunch of fishing opportunities in the next week now we might get some wind so think about that spinny is open we get into the week there's going to be tremendous fishing there lake john the ice has finally gone off uh the shore fishing in the north park area is going to be phenomenal even if it's too windy to get a boat on i don't think they have the docks in there yet big fish spinny and lake john just grow big fish great opportunities up and down the front range the ponds are going to be incredible for panfish the bluegills, crappies, great time to get a kid out fishing. All you need is a bobber, a little piece of bait, put it a foot or two below that bobber, and most of your ponds up and down the front range are going to produce. They may be small, but numbers of bluegills. I checked one pond. I caught like 12 in about 15 minutes just playing around, look, checking it out in case I want to take some of my grandkids out. And Granby, Granby isn't open yet for boating. But the ice is receding. Grand Lake is open. Shadow Mountain is pretty open. The shore fishing for lake trout and rainbows and browns should be phenomenal the next week or two right up in those lakes. So don't overlook going up there. Right now, is Mr. Dan Jacobs in the studio? I am here, sir. You know, first of all, I got to tell you, I was at the Rockies game with my son. And the first thing he told me was that he heard the Dan Jacobs theme song. He thought it was cool. So... That's it. Yeah, well, it's fantastic. We actually get text messages on that and people requesting it. So it's it's a great job out of you guys. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun doing. Uh, I'll never. That's one thing. Uh, Dmax reaction to it was was classic. I love that. <laughs> well, Dmax doesn't know anything about music, so I don't know how far we take that. But no, it was great. 
Yeah, we have fun. No, I do have, I want to talk to you. What I want to say, I'm going to give you three things. I'm going to say three things, and then I'm going to give a comment. The Avs, the Rockies, Jerry Judy. Why am I hopeful but not convinced? Well, you should be convinced on the Avs, the Rockies, and Jerry Judy. Uh, here's what I say with the Rockies. If you believe in the Rockies, go get season tickets because that's the best way to guarantee you have playoff tickets, right? Because if right. they make it to the playoffs, man, this town will be on you know on fire. You won't be able to get in the building, you know, Terry. So, Zach Bye, Terry Wickstrom, go buy your season tickets right now. If you really have faith in the Rockies, go buy them. Well, my son has season tickets. I'll just mooch he off. He does? Him. What's wrong yeah. with that man? Well, he's a he's a he is a baseball fanatic. He loves baseball. He's he's been a baseball. Well, fanatic he's probably a big bowler too. He's it's a sickness. Well, he's he's one of the best bowlers in the nation. He averages about two thirty. So why not two sixty? What's wrong with him? Well, he, he needs to get out well, there and practice more. Probably has to do with his coaching. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know that. I know yeah. that story all too well. Uh, shut up. Hey, um, but, you know, in all seriousness, the Rockies, I'm hopeful not maybe play up, but hopeful they'll be competitive and maybe start building on something that they can be a, a relevant team anyway because they play in such a tough division. The Avs, I'm starting to believe more after that. That last win was more, much more impressive than the first one. I mean, because they put over 50 shots on goal, and that goalie stood on his head. Now, you're not going to outscore people 7-2 to two in the playoffs very often like they did the first game, but you're going to you're going to have to win those hard-fought games. But if you put 50 shots on goal, you're not going to go to overtime very often either. So they're, I, I'm more convinced there, but until they get out of the second round, I'm going to be holding my breath. Jerry Judy is going to be the best receiver on the team between now and opening of the regular season. Then he disappears. Yeah, they were actually talking about that on the morning show. Actually, no, Nate and Chad, I believe, uh, yesterday, yeah, Friday, um, that the problem with that is he excels in practice scenarios where you don't get hit. And, you know, there's certain things that you can't simulate in practice that happen in the games. And that's why he excels. Uh, he's a no show on Sundays, but he excels, you know, he's a steak eater, is what we call him. Yeah. Well, I'm hopeful that maybe that having a, a quarterback that he can't whine about not having somebody getting him the ball, that he has to just go out there and do it. And he's got the talent. And with the other receivers we have on the team, we could have a heck of a receiving core. So I'm hopeful. Anyway, I better close this down so you can get to your show. All right. Thanks, Coach. All right. We'll talk to you soon, Dan. We're going to wrap up Terry Wickstrom Outdoors every Saturday from 9 to 11. Follow us online, Terry Wisham Outdoors on Facebook. We have a lot of the segments. I'll post a lot of what we covered today on there. Karen puts videos up there. We just have a lot of information on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. And don't forget to follow our music, Wickstrom and Dobrith, on social media and on everywhere you stream music. We'll let, uh, want to say thanks to Ty, thanks to Karen. We'll let the Eagles take us to Dan Jacobson Sports.